0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas. Powered by Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. Good morning, you're listening to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. Malaysia has a road and highway network spanning nearly 300,000 kilometres. And the overseer of this network is the Ministry of Works, or known by its Malay acronym, KKR. What is the role of the ministry in achieving the aims of the Madani Economy Framework? We're going to find out from Datuk Sri Alexander Nantalingi, the Minister of Works and Secretary General of Gabungan Parti Sarawak or GPS, who joins me on the show today. (laughs) Datuk Sri, welcome back to The Breakfast Grill. Thank you. Now, the Works Ministry is most commonly associated with roadworks and highways, and we're definitely going to get into those issues. But your scope of responsibility is actually much larger than that. It spans the infrastructure development across the public sector, including things like schools, hospitals, other government facilities. So there's considerable overlap with most, if not all, government ministries. Can we start off by helping me understand where KKR's mandate begins and ends? Vis-à-vis other federal ministries,
1: uh, I like to put it this way: that the, the Ministry of Works, the main department is the Public Works Department (JKR), yeah, and two other agencies. That is the Lembaga Lemburaya Malaysia (LLM), the Malaysian Highway Authorities, and the other one is CIDB, the Construction Industry Development Board. Yeah, these are two uh, agencies that we have, and apart from that. Uh, we oversee the Institute of um, Professionals like uh, Institute of the uh, Engineers, IEM, Malaysia, Institute of Architect Malaysia, Institute of um, Surveyors, Malaysia, and some others. Yeah, It is not a very big ministry in terms of organisation mm. because everything is centred on JKR. But the role, the responsibility of JKR is tremendous. It's very big. It transcends so many other ministries simply because The uh, Public Works Department and the Ministry of Works should be considered as uh, implementing agencies. Mm. We implement, especially in buildings, and planning, and also maintenance. So, as we all know, and you mentioned partly, we build roads, we plan for roads, we design roads, and we oversee the uh, industry, the building industry, and also, not just roads, we do the same. Uh, when the government wants to build ports, airports, and other public uh, amenities facilities, almost in all cases, JKR or Community is involved. Mm. Yeah, Even if private sectors in terms of um, uh, project management consultants are deployed, uh, still they are engineers mm. and they fall under the category of Institute of Engineers and still um, there is... Uh, Authority over them, yeah. So anything that's being uh, built in the country, being even planning, as I said, will have to involve this ministry through either directly the Department of JKR, Malaysia, or the um, relevant agencies as I mentioned.
0: So you have that primary role in building the Mm -hmm. country, essentially. Mm -hmm. I do want to get some clarity in terms of when does JKR or KKR take the lead on these projects and when is it delegated? Because last year, uh, KKR was asked to delegate minor infrastructure projects to other agencies for implementation, things like dilapidated schools and clinics, right? right. Uh, so what counts as a minor infrastructure project and how do you delegate those types of projects?
1: You see every year government allocate so much money, billions yeah, into development, Yeah and as i said most of the development will involve us the budget given to kemiti and kajaraya is for specific project that is to be undertaken by the ministry of works but you don't forget the other ministries also empowered to carry out development projects schools under the ministry of education police stations police uh, <coughs> complexes under the home ministry likewise ministry of transport the ports so the budgets for development in those areas will be cited in their budget. But implementation, if they need us, it will be passed through to us. Just now you mentioned deeply that the schools, yeah. There's so many projects in the year throughout the country. If everything is put through to JKR, there's no way JKR can cope with it. So rightly, some of the smaller projects, even the bigger projects, if it can be implemented, it should be implemented by other agencies. It is being done so. For instance, when a school is being built, not always the case that JKR will be appointed as the service so of office. That's yeah, what we call it. The Ministry of Education can opt for implementing the building of that school by appointing private consultant, project management consultant. But there are cases where uh, decisions remain somehow that, OK, this school is to be built directly through JKR money put through Kementerian and to implement this school or this university or this college hmm. or whatever government project is. Then, if it is decided so, yes, JKR will be involved, 100%. Hmm. But as I said, there are too many projects. So the smaller projects, especially when urgency is the essence, then uh, we are being helped by <laughs> lessening the burden on us. <clears throat> That's why, if you remember, uh, our... Yeah, my Prime Minister says, look, he wants agency in implementing the upgrading of um, toilets for students uh, in schools. Many of those projects were not um, implemented through JKR. Yeah, but we assist, especially in cases where it is not very complex. Yeah, if it is a simple structure, a simple work repair, renovation. The contractors are appointed directly from the ministry or department concerned, mm. not through us.
0: Okay. And that is
1: good because uh, that ensures uh, that those uh, projects can be carried out quickly. Yeah, And that is the essence of that the kind of project anyway.
0: Okay, I think I better understand <coughs> then the role of KKR. You don't take the lead on all the development projects, but no. you are present in Most of them, either to assist or to oversee or to just ensure that things uh, go as to plan. Can we talk about um, KKR in the broader? economy Madani framework, because mm-hmm. the government launched that last year with the aim of propelling it into the world's top 30. We have other national blueprints like the National Energy Transition Roadmap, the new industrial master plan and the ongoing 13th Malaysia plan. All of these outline how we are going to progress towards a high income nation in a sustainable and equitable manner. How do you see KKR's role in achieving this Madani vision?
1: Oh, I mean, I've been here just just a year and I be I have learned a lot, and I understand a lot more the importance and the role of, of JKR or Ministry of Works in terms of what you're saying, you know, uh, in the the whole aspect of developing the uh, the country, and uh, well, in the context of uh, matani as Yamo said, how do we contribute? It's not just building planning. Nowadays we have to be also in compliance with so many things. ESG, right? Environment, social, and governance. So we have a role in that. We have a duty in that. JKR definitely uh, is carrying out uh, many upgradings of of the way they do things and new initiatives to be in compliance with the up-to-date way of doing things uh, in the context of the global uh, demands. So we have to ensure that um, we look at new standards of design. Um, let me share with you. There's one unit in JKR, what is called CREATE. CREATE is an acronym for Pusat Kacholangan Technology. Under CREATE, the program is, is a, basically as a laboratory where many products, uh, new findings, new innovations are being tested. For instance, uh, I just came back from lodging Cameron Highland. Uh, where there is a trial, a project with J.K.L. uh, collaborating with Petronas. This is very impressive because uh, we try to come up with a new uh, product for pavement that is stronger and not easily um, damaged and that causes potholes or road damage by using uh, plastics um, kind of product. And this plastic product are not specially manufactured. This is simply using uh, waste plastics. I plastic see. Plastic waste. Wow. Especially the bottle, water bottle caps and also the water bottle itself. Uh, so we are achieving uh, reducing waste, plastic waste, as well as we are also going to uh, invent a new product that hopefully... It's proven it's uh, 1 year already and we at another year trial and so far is proven uh, to be what is expected of course there's a bit of a, a little bit more price than uh, pricey than uh, than the conventional method but in the long run, definitely will be an advantage. So through
0: this CREATE unit under KKR, you can see that uh, the ministry is doing things to innovate uh, in order to become more sustainable in your development practices. I'm speaking to the Minister of Works, Datuk Sri Alexander Nanta Lingi. When we come back, we're going to discuss when will the multi-lane free flow or MLFF become a reality on Malaysian highways, among other things. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, Brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. Thanks for staying tuned to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar and with me on the show today is Dato Sri Alexander Nantalingi, the Minister of Works and Secretary General of Sarawak Coalition GPS. Dato Sri, earlier we were talking about the mandate and scope of responsibility of KKR. We were touching about innovations in sustainable development. I want to come to the issue of nature and uh, how development and the environment intersects. Because when you came into office in 2022, uh, there was that terrible Kali landslide tragedy in December. 2022 that really put a spotlight on the concerns that people have about the impact of development on the natural environment. So, according to the landslide report by JKR that was made public in October last year, it concluded that the tragedy was not caused by man-made activity, including any roadworks by KKR, that it was a natural disaster. Now, one of the criticisms of the report was that it was uh, investigated and signed off by JKR in what is seen as a conflict of interest. I mean, isn't that a valid point, at those
1: three? I wouldn't say it is a conflict of interest because we are the agency um, to carry out the report or at least to supervise the report uh, in collaboration with other relevant agencies and uh, the law says that we are to sign, to sign off the report. Now, you mentioned that KKR, that road must be known and understood that that road falls under the decision of state government. It is a state road. Now, the incidents found that it is not caused by the road. It is uh, mentioned that the slope did not fail from the top. It failed from the bottom. So when the base of that area was undermined, maybe because of uh, underground water, so it slided down. Yeah? It did not topple from the top mm. And the road is at the top All right, So those are technical aspects of it Now Talking about slopes uh, Not just Patankali The ministry or the JKR for that matter <clears throat> Has identified more than 1,000 areas where Slopes can Fail I want to inform the public here that uh, The JKR is proactive In monitoring all this Yeah, We would like to do uh, more uh, preemptive actions we can yeah, to prevent the slopes. However, it can be rather costly. Yeah? So, so cost we are limited is by uh, funding. So that is why we seem to be on more on reactionary. If the slope fails, then we go and do some work on it to build barriers, to build walls. You know? It's reactive. Hmm. But however, under this budget, after what happened in Kali, thankfully, uh, the Ministry of Finance approved about thirty million for us for this year uh, to procure slope failure warning system. Of course, if we want to be more <coughs> uh, coverage to be wider, we need more than that, but at least for a start, we have that. We already have some in the past i 'm not saying there's totally none, but after what happened in Batankali, we were able to convince. Hmm the finance ministry, to give us even more.
0: And you're cognizant of the fact that we are going to be facing more of these type of scenarios, given climate change, given erratic weather patterns. So this is going to be a start. But what more do you think needs to be done? Or what more would you like to do, helming KKR, in order to make sure that we are climate (coughs) resilient?
1: That is very, very, uh, um, what do you call relevant and very important aspect. That is why uh, we all know that this is a tremendous climate change uh, uh, happenings affecting everywhere else in the world, including us. We are not spared. So this is one focus that I am emphasizing in the ministry that I want the officers uh, also uh, to focus on determining what do we need uh, to create our resilience. What Do we have to procure so that we can convince the government to give us enough funding so that we can have state-of-the-art facilities Mm -hmm. to help us to ensure that we can cope with what's going to happen, which uh, when natural uh, happening is very hard to prevent. To, to 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 you can stop it but at least we can mitigate the impact
0: so we're still in the planning stages then that three we still don't know what it is that we need we still need to identify where we need to fortify I think
1: we basically know what we need yeah we know what we need because technology is easily available now
0: okay I want to come back to this issue of federal and state roads, which you mentioned several times (laughs) in our conversation so far. So I know that we have 300,000 kilometers of roads, but uh, KKR oversees or directly oversees just 20,000 kilometers of it. That's known as federal roads. That's only 7%. So talk me through then about uh, who covers the other roads and and what happens uh, in terms of maintenance. Who is actually in charge of maintaining (laughs) these 300,000 kilometers worth of
1: roads? Yeah, you're right. It's only about 20,000 federal roads under jurisdiction of Kementerian Kerja or JKR Malaysia. The rest is in state government road or can be further identified as uh, <clears throat> council roads. Yeah, That is why I have just come up with an idea with my officers and it was launched, uh, campaign My Jalan on the 24th of August last year by Yamak Brahmak Perdana Menteri Datuk Sri Anwar uh, Ibrahim himself. Initially, started just a campaign to introduce another channel for complaints,
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, Saloran Adwan. There were already some. I'm not saying there's none, but this this was um, established to to have another one. But after a few months, I realized that it is no longer just an avenue for complaint. Because the facts and figures that we derive from that, uh, we analyze these figures to identify where are the potholes and damaged roads are. And we found out that every month, yeah, the number of complex increases, but the trend remains. It's only about 26 to 27% happenings in federal roads. Mm-hmm. Yeah? The rest largely in the state road and a the council roads. I mean, uh, I'm not shelving our responsibility, that is why under this campaign, I'm going to make it a program, no more just a campaign, because I see the important, the significance of the informations that we can gather to assist not only us at JKR, Malaysia, but also to assist the um, state uh, JKR, state government, and the state, and also the other PBTS or the local authorities. Mm. Perhaps you can use this later on, especially for the state government, to convince the federal government. The Federal Treasury, look, we need more funding for our road maintenance. And we are not just asking without information, without statistics. This is properly uh, obtained through public complaints. What we should use to convince that we should need more. You know, there is what we call marriage simulation a road information system through that. Maris is a funding for the state road maintenance.
0: It's a very roundabout way to get these potholes solved now, isn't it, Datuk Sri? <laughs> because when people are driving, they're just seeing there's a pothole right there. Who is going to oh, solve Alexis, it? Oh,
1: Alex is impossible. <laughs>
0: but you're describing this uh, this system of where you need to identify who is the agency that's actually yeah. in charge of cleaning right. that r- pothole up.
1: Yeah. I don't want to be misunderstood, like trying to show off our responsibility. That is why I said this campaign my Jalan... We we put this, we stress it by saying no wrong door policy. Meaning to say, you complain through my channel, don't worry. That is the right channel. Because when we later on uh, analyse the campaign, oh, this is uh, the, the complaint, oh, this is ours. And I make sure that anything that falls under the jurisdiction of JK Malaysia, 24 hours, somebody must be on the spot. Mm. Yeah? Uh, that is why... Uh, for the federal roads, especially those areas covered by concessionaires, appointed by the government to maintain the road. Now, I'm telling them, you must come on board. Your KPI, I will measure your KPI on how fast you remedy the the problem. Okay. That's so federal road, I can assure. But the state road, there's very little we can do to tell them to react quickly, or, uh, repay quickly. But no run policy, meaning... When we found out that these are uh, state road issues, we will tell them quickly. And then it really depends on them how fast, how quick they want to repay that okay. uh, uh, damage.
0: I understand <clears how> that, <throat> And I appreciate the explanation and just the complexities of, of how roads are managed, right? It, it's a system. It's a network. And, and that's just the way things are in terms mm. of our road management mm. at this point. I want to turn our attention to the issue of highways uh, because... One of the notable developments last year was actually the introduction of an open payment toll collection that allowed users to pay using credit or debit cards. And this was implemented in September across 11 highways. Can you give us a progress report on the rollout and whether this is going to continue to be expanded across all 30 highways?
1: I must be frank here. I came in late December in 2022 after the election and I started work here really only in 2023. And, uh, so the idea to introduce an open payment system actually, you know, is uh, carried forward from carried over from the, but we implement during my time, and I see that the benefit of it. So open payment system, I found out is very much welcome. Yeah, it's m- making it much easier for users. Mm. Yeah, at the moment, I think the, I'm told it's about twelve uh, top plazas, and uh, we welcome more and more. We do not force the concessionaires. To adopt it, but I'm glad that many of them are willing to come on board. Say, okay, we'll do it. You know, so that is uh, is still work in progress to get more and more uh, to. Enable users to use uh, Other cards okay. An open payment system So yeah.
0: in that sense It's still a work in progress And mm-hmm. we're still Reviewing what the reaction is And, and how yeah, much It yeah. can be expanded Now the open payment Toll collection Is seen as a precursor To the next major Upgrading of the highway system I thought you may say that Which is the Multi-lane free flow Or MLFF That would see the removal Of toll bars To ease traffic congestion Now this <clears> is a project That you inherited From the previous government The reported price tag Is 3.5 billion ringgit And a price private entity was invited back in 2021 to devise an implementation plan. What is the status of this proposal?
1: Well, um, right. Uh, You you know, it's the background to it. You're saying it rightly. Um, But this uh, uh, private entity is given until end of this year, 2024, to carry out all necessary negotiations, uh, uh, working things out with the concessionaires, the highway Concessionaires, yeah. So they have to uh, come to a mutual agreement on how things are done. So and this then, private and then,
0: entity is yeah, still in charge.
1: They're given the that uh, what do you call the agreement appointment already. They're given a the timeline. So let them do. To me, let them do their work. Let them proceed with what they need to do because there is that also important aspect of it. There is a. There should be a proof of concept uh, exercise that they have to uh, do. Yeah, as far as GKI is concerned at the moment, yeah, we will uh, respect that uh, appointment agreement to allow this private entity to carry out what they expected to do. What we have agreed for them to do is to work things out, to get everybody agreed to the concept. And hopefully it can be implemented. If not, well, let's see what happens because there I is see. that process of proof of concept that they have to undertake as well.
0: So, you're giving them until the end of 2024. That's 12 months away. It, it's
1: not about me giving them. It's already agreed by the appointment agreement. So, we have to respect that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Highway concessionaires have reportedly come up with their own MLFF implementation plan. I'm wondering if this has been presented to you or yeah. whether you are leaving it up to the private entity and the highway concessionaires to just arrange yeah, there, it themselves. There are certain themselves.
1: procedures that we have to abide by, you know, yeah. We have the appointment agreement. It's stating uh, uh, very clearly uh, all the terms and the conditions there. And then, uh, yes, I'm fully aware of the views uh, uh, either to the media or even directly I've been um, uh, engaged with by the uh, concessionaires who have some views, other uh, views that may not be entirely agreeable to it, they are entitled, as far as I'm concerned, entitled to their opinion, yeah? So, um, basically to me, let them be, because I'm not going to stifle the the effort by both parties, yeah? Both have rights, okay. as far as I'm concerned.
0: But I suppose the takeaway then is that the MLFF project isn't going to well, be a reality is, in the next year or two, no, it may take longer. No, what is
1: important is, uh, like other developed countries, drug users would very much welcome is to have that system where they can drive through the country without having to stop. as like we do now with the barriers. There's a multi-lane fast flow. Now, again, I changed the name free flow to fast flow. Why? It's not because, oh, I came in as a new minister, I want to have my own brand. No, but I just want to address the issue. Possibly, if we continue with the word multi-lane free flow, there may be some people later on who drive through and, uh, and have uh, money in their account and it cannot be deducted. They say, Hey, you said free flow. Free, la? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I thought, even that little bit of thing, I said, Ah, maybe try to avoid it. Let's say multi lane fast flow. Fast meaning uh, you don't have to slow down, uh, and there's no barrier, so you just go through. But you still have to pay.
0: You point to a a kind of psychological (laughs) element of how a public policy is carried out right Mm. now, the fact that we need to uh, create the expectations of what it is that these services actually entail. I won't
1: create expectation. I want to address the expectation.
0: And I want to maybe come to that point about tolls and payment for tolls, because in November last year, the government announced that it has restructured the toll concessions for 19 highways in order to avoid toll hikes and that further negotiations were being done with other highway concessionaires. Why has the government opted for this strategy in managing toll rates, uh, essentially extending the concessions, instead of perhaps abolishing toll rates as some party Uh, coalitions have pledged in their GE15 manifestos? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right. I, I like to put it this way, yeah? There's some views out there say, oh, we should abolish toll. I don't think we should abolish toll. Yeah? I hope it can be understood, yeah? I'm not saying we we are not caring enough for the people and give them free use of highway. No. It's not like that. If we abolish tolls, the government will have to come up with the money for maintenance. And there's a lot of money for maintenance every year, billions. So if we do away with toll, then the kind of money that the government will have to spend on maintaining those highways that used to be toll, that have their own money through toll for maintenance, the government take over the, the responsibility, you derive Malaysians who are not using the tolls from the government funding that otherwise could be spent on them. Mm. Now, if those concessioners, uh syarikat, uh, have come to the end of their term where they no longer need to make any repayment to their funders when they achieve their ROI yeah, then toll is maintained but toll should be reduced because these developers of the highway need no longer pay back their loan so they should take less profit lah. make profit so that you can carry on with the maintenance. But less, than the rakyat can enjoy cheaper toll. That should be the way.
0: Essentially, there's always a cost to maintaining public infrastructure. Always. I'm speaking to Datuk Sri Alexander Lingi, the Minister of Works and longtime MP for Kapit. We're going to continue this conversation after the 8.30am News Bulletin, focusing on developments in East Malaysia. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill. Brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. If you've just joined us, you're listening to an extended edition of The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. On the show today is Datuk Sri Alexander Nantalingi, the Minister of Works, Secretary General of Gabungan Parti Sarawak, and also Six-Term Member of Parliament for Kapit. Datuk Sri, earlier we were talking about highways. I do want to touch on the Pan-Borneo Highway that was first announced in 2015. (coughs) Nearly a decade later, it's yet to be completed. The Sarawak portion of the highway is 98% done, but the Sabah segment has been beset by delays, how would you explain the difference in progress between the Sabah and Sarawak sections of the Pan Borneo Highway and what can KKR do really to expedite uh, the progress of this project? Yeah,
1: Firstly, allow me to just express Sarawak I think Sabah too but I know especially for Sarawak to express our appreciation to the former Prime Minister Dato Sri Najib. It was during his time and with his uh, uh, approval of that the project for Pen Borneo became reality, mm. yeah? We cannot deny that and we have to appreciate that. That's a fact. That's why we have uh, very nice Pen Borneo completed 98% for Sarawak and a lot more to be done for the portions in uh, Sabah, yeah? So why is uh, Sabah lagging? Um, because I only came later, yeah? But I'm told, I'm br- I've been brief. Initially, the way they wanted to to do it in Sabah, a different model from how we did in uh, Sarawak. Mm. You see, Sarawak, despite almost the same, uh, more than 700 kilometers, in Sarawak, it was decided only 11 packages, meaning easier to manage. Compared to in Sabah, 35 packages, all right? More demands on the, the management. Also, the management modeling in Sarawak, there was this project management team, yeah, to oversee the whole stretch, and therefore it is much easier to sort out any teething problems. Teething problem means uh, coordination. Yeah, when you build roads, so many uh, effort will be made on what you call the alienation of land, private land, mm. state land, that you need to build the roads. And also uh, there's uh, challenges connected with moving or removing um, other utilities, yeah? So meaning to say cables for telecommunications, cables for water supplies, and then the electricity um, (coughs) cables, their poles that has to be moved, yeah? Out of the way uh, into new alignment, yeah? So utilities. Now, all these need a lot of coordination,
0: which the Sabah side did not uh,
1: have. In Sarawak, was, it was easier because uh, the organization structure, we catered for that. The way the Sarawak state government, a uh, special uh, committee was set up to trash out all this with the land surveys and because land belongs to Sarawak, and there's a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I found out and I'm told and briefed that in Sarawak, these kind of issues a bit more difficult to. Uh, Address uh, the, the the problems, yeah, and then of course um, I have to be frank uh, that uh, I found out that the process to appoint contractors to undertake the various uh, work packages uh, a bit more complicated over there, right? If you like, yeah.
0: So, what is being done to expedite the construction of this portion of the highway and? More importantly, is there anything being done to hold public officials accountable for the delays and the ballooning costs?
1: Of course, of course. I mean, we have procedures, um, we have uh, governance, we have rules uh, that officers have to abide by, and uh, compliance uh, issue is uh, something that we really have to deal with, or rather uh, the contractors or other industry players, stakeholders have to deal with. Yeah, but sometimes because of this, that also, can contribute to delays. Yeah, you know, it's not easy uh, to get people to come sit down and easily agree, because there's always disputes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when construction industry is like that. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, financial aspects of things, uh, financial uh, implications uh, between contractors and uh, and um, well, the government and all the others take players, uh, especially with financial implications.
0: Understand. Yeah. We were going to be watching this project closely as it develops, Dato Sri, but in the little bit of time that we have, I would like to talk about a bit about the political landscape, because when you were last <laughs> on the show in 2020, you were representing the Perikata National Government, led by Dato Sri Mudin Yase in a bursatu. The and politi- later
1: Dato Sri Ismail.
0: And then later Dato Sri Ismail. Now, the political landscape has completely changed since then, because GPS and UMNO-BN, you're still on the same team, but you're now part of the unity government or the Madani government. Yeah. So what does that say about GPS's political allegiances? In the end, are you always going to side with the ruling government?
1: Yes, but not because for political reason. I've been asked similar questions. Our sense, of course, uh, our Yamak Brahmat Premier, Datuk uh, Petinggi and Johari, he's a leader that's very clear in what he wants to do and how he wants to do things. That's why it's very easy to respect him. It's very easy to follow him, to agree with him. The main agenda for Srawa is fast-track development for Srawa. To ensure development for Srawa, what do we need? We need a stable federal government. So, when we decide who to align with, it's not really about, oh, I like that person, we don't like that person. No. We said, look, for us to ensure that Srawa can continue... little hindrance especially we would like no hindrance at all especially we would love it if we are facilitated like now Mm. to pursue what we want to do for the development of Sarawak and for the good of Sarawakian that's why we have this Sarawak first utama can Sarawak okay now we understand that to do that we must have a political climate in the whole country meaning to say the federal government must be stable now we are not just supporting this one we are not moving from one group, one group of friends to another friend because uh, we think that we want the power, be- so we abandon friend. No, let me emphasize this point to you. Yeah, where in the world would the opposition party group will support the incumbent government so that the government do not fail? Why I say that? What happened in February, in March, two thousand twenty? GPS. Yeah, we were opposition. After the 2018 elections... Yes, he were. ...together with Amno uh, PAS, and, uh, you know, the Barisan National Component, yeah? But during that crucial time, when we were called to the Tuanku Yang, the Putuan Agong, to state our uh, support through written HD, we decided among ourselves. And Dr Abajari is very inclusive. He did not decide it for us. He called all the members of parliament and the other relevant leaders in the parties. How do we position ourselves. We said, look, we want the federal government to be stable. Can you imagine? It would be very natural to say, ah, I need a bring the government down. But no. We signed in, say, okay, we want Tun Mahade to remain as the Prime Minister and we want him to lead his government to carry on. I want that to be fully understood. We did not join the government of Tansi Munin for position. Initially we did not even want to be part of the cabinet until he said look if I form this government uh, because by that time you know events have overtaken a lot of things so we became part of uh, to support uh, the Taji because we want a federal government and at that, that, that time we also listened uh to the opinion of the tonku you know to stabilize the uh, the the political scenario in the country and to have a government so we contribute to that again back to what I said we need a Stable federal government
0: On that note, Datuk Sri Can I get comments from you in With regard to rumours Over the purported Dubai move And reports that Perikata National Is amassing statutory declarations That prove it has Majority support in parliament Would Sarawak MPs get involved If it means no. Maintaining stability right. Of the federal Before government? Before
1: I get to that I might as well Have to give you A background to it Hey, For ages We were on different sides With PKR With DAP With PH parties sir. But we contribute uh, to the decision to enable this government Kerajaan Madani,ni to be established. That's why we are part of it. Again, because we feel that we need to have a stable federal government. Alright? Yeah? Because we want that main agenda for the interest of Sarawak. Now, back to your Dubai issue. It has been clearly made understood by none other than Yamak Brahmat Premier Sarawak who Supreme Leadership Council uh, leader of GPS uh, Tan Sri Datuk Penghliyah Bajohari himself, he made it very clear, yeah. And uh, Yaman Broman, Deputy Prime Minister, uh, is our senior leader in in GPS or you know, in PBB, Datuk Sri Haji Fadilah, made it very clear, we will not rock the boat, yeah. We want a federal government that is stable, yeah. I've, been asked by the Ahmad Brown himself. Datuk was Anwar Ibrahim, Alex. I said, sir, don't worry. GPS is not known to rock the boat, and we are not going to rock the boat. We want a stable federal government, and I'm part of the cabinet. What more to say? You have been kind to us. Many things that you agree uh, to what Sarawak wants in terms of development. So there's no reason, Yeah. When I said no reason to abandon this government, we will stand by this government, yeah?
0: All right, Datuk Sri. On that note, thank you very much for speaking with me on the show today. Yeah. I've been speaking to Datuk Sri Alexander Nantalingi, the Minister of Works and Secretary General for GPS. This has been The Breakfast Grill on BFM 89.9.
1: Thank you very much. The
0: BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network.